is from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We're going to investigate what this is talking about and why it is. Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, for this promise that you have that only through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ we are brought nigh. You have made this provision. You have issued this invitation, just as you have throughout all the ages invited mankind into a relationship with yourself. And we lift you up today. We glorify you. We exalt you as the Most High God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So how did this class of people, because we have a class of people here. It says, ye who sometimes were, may, were far off. How did some class of people end up being far off? Some would say, well, God chose these people, so that left these people out. And they were then declared to be far out. And that's not a hippie term. It's not like far out. <laughs> no, they were far out. So we want, to dis we want to look what God has to say about this. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 28 Here we have a description of a group of people. And even as they did not like to retain God in knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. This group of people that we see showing up mentioned in Ephesians chapter 2, who are afar off. God didn't choose that they should be afar off. They chose no God. No God. God's invitation all through the ages has always been for man to come into a relationship with him. This, this Romans is referring to, this first chapter of Romans is referring to mankind that we read about in Genesis chapter 11. Specifically this Tower of Babel that they built. Man said, we're going to do this thing. We're going to decide who is God. We're going to build this tower and worship the creation rather than the creator. Man made the choice to separate themselves from God. Man made the choice to be far off. God didn't choose them to be gone. That was their choice. 
God went along with it and gave them over to a reprobate mind. But did he leave them hopeless? We know in Ephesians it talks about you who were far off were outside of the, you were aliens outside of the covenants without hope, it says. Ah, did God leave all mankind absolutely hopeless? Let's discuss, let's look at this. Let's look at this. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. We talked about in 11 that at the Tower of Babel, man rejected God, and God said, okay. In 12, we see God inviting an individual called Abram. He invites Abram to be in this relationship with him. Now, God didn't make Abram come. God didn't use a whip and say, get over here. He invited him. He called him and gave him some instructions. And Abram responded to that invitation in faith. Through Abram, this peculiar people were developed. Let's look at Genesis 14 to see some evidence of Abram's response to God, of Abram's reputation throughout the world as he responds to the invitation of God. Uh, we're looking at 14, 18 through 20. And this is in uh, parentheses. It's like a, a, a little treasure hidden in here for us to read. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him, Abram, and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. Abram had been fighting a war, and he was victorious. And Miss Melchizedek, who was a priest of the Most High God. Now this word that is uh, translated Most High God, and my uh, pronunciation, I hope, is halfway correct. It says El Yon. It is El is God, and Yon, it is the Most High God. It is not, I have a little rant here, this song that sometimes we sing, my God is an awesome God. I don't like that. Because God is the one true God overall. He's not an awesome God among many. He is the only one true and this is who Abram was serving. The most high God. The possessor of heaven and earth. In other references, this word El Yon, it talks about this El Yon being able to divide the nations, their inheritance. He possessed the earth. He decided who received what inheritance. He is the dispenser of blessings of God to the earth. 
we have a picture of the Godhead here in this El Yon. He has every right to decide who goes where. What inheritances are there? Man decided for himself that they didn't want God. They said in chapter 11, nope, we don't desire you in our knowledge at all. We're, we're there right now in our schools today. They teach them that there is no God. They teach them evolution. They teach them all kinds of craziness that is very opposite of the actual truth of who God really is. Abram was serving this most high God. And why was he serving? Because God invited him in. He invited him to do that. And Abram, in faith, he did that. Genesis chapter 17. We have proof that Abram was not just you know, a casual observer of, and he liked God. He entered into this uh, formal contract. It's a covenant relationship. Let's remember that. This is very different from what we have today with God. Remember our first verse? It started out with, but now. That's very important. Abram is in a covenant relationship. That's a contract. That's a formal agreement. If you do this, I will do this. It's a contract. It's very formal. And it's a covenant relationship. Genesis 17, verse 9. And God said unto Abraham, see his name has changed, it's no longer Abram, thou shalt keep my covenant therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in thy generations, this is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee, every man child among you shall be circumcised. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. In order for a contract to be enforced, there has to be something actually happen. Abram willingly accepted God's, most high God's, invitation into this relationship with him. Verse 12, and he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations. He that is born in, in your generations. What is that talking about? We generally hear that word, generations. We think of a time period, right? And your parents are generations, your generations, your kids. Generations is talking about being a relationship in like the DNA, like your, your line, your lineage, your generations. That's very important. Uh, I was in 12. In your generations, he that is born in the house, what? What's this next phrase? Are bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. He that is born in a house, and he that is bought with thy money, must needs be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. 
How often do we hear God only was dealing with these peculiar people. They're going to be known as the Israelites. And everybody else was far off. We hear that all the time, don't we? God's word says that the stranger that belonged to Abraham in his house was part of it. They should be circumcised. You're part of this covenant. That's very interesting, isn't it? Let's go to Exodus chapter 12. I'm not for sure, Tim, if I got my order of these right or not. I just have to... <laughs> Exodus chapter 12. I meant to make a copy of the list that I gave Tim, so I had the same order, and I failed to do that. Exodus 12, 48. When a stranger... What's a stranger? Well, I looked it up. It's talking about a foreigner, someone who is not born of the lineage, not of this generation, a stranger. 48. That's 43. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee and will keep the Passover. What? A stranger can keep the Passover? And keep the Passover to the Lord. Let all his males be circumcised. And then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. The stranger who sojourned, sojourned, who came alongside, the stranger who believed God, who accepted God's invitation, was treated just like one that was in the generation if they kept the covenant. How often do we hear that God only was dealing with Israel during these times? God's invitation has always been, I love you, come. He made a way for everyone. The invitation was still there, even though, even though they told God no. Even though they said, we don't want you in our knowledge. We got this. God still left this invitation for them to come through this program, this covenant program that God planned and that ends up, they call him Israel. They don't call him Israel until Jacob's name is changed to Israel. That's farther along than where we are looking here. No, 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 we're in Exodus. I take that back. They are Israel. Sorry. I should have had these in a specific order. Uh, look at Isaiah 56. One through eight. We're going to see now, you know, Isaiah is a prophetic book. And there are prophecies that Isaiah spoke that were fulfilled already. There are prophecies that are still yet to be fulfilled. Isaiah 56. 
The first of eight verses. Thus saith the Lord, Keep ye judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. Neither let the son of the stranger that hath joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbath and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I give mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. Everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it taketh hold of my covenant. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar. For mine house shall be called an house of prayer for all people. The Lord God which gathereth the outcasts of Israel saith, Yet will I gather others to him besides those that are gathered unto him. God's invitation has always been, Come. The most high God has an invitation for all people. During this time, it was through a covenant relationship which was administered by the nation of Israel, by the priests. I was looking in numbers for strangers. Strangers were not allowed to participate in the duties of the priest. And I, I thought about that for a minute, and I realized that was a specific tribe. Only the Levites could be the priests. So the stranger could not, in fact, there were, there were really bad cursings if a stranger or someone of another tribe attempted to do the things of a priest. We have accounts in Numbers, don't we, where they got dead, didn't they? They were cut off immediately. So the stranger couldn't be a priest, but God invited him in to be in this covenant relationship with him. So don't fall into an idea that God only dealt, only loved Israel. God loves everybody. Why did, what, what does it say about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming to earth? Now we're, we're going to talk, we're, we're going to say John 3.16. We know that is to Israel. But God, for God so loved who? Just the people he wanted? No, he loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever should believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. So what 
during the Lord's earthly ministry was God inviting them to believe about Jesus. They were, he was inviting them to believe this Jesus of Nazareth is this Messiah that's been promised all through the ages. Starting the seed of the woman. God promised mankind that there would be one to come in between this evil one, Satan, and God Almighty, the Most High God. There would be a seed to come in between them for mankind. That protection of that seed had to happen somehow. God chose the possessor, God, the possessor of heavens and earth. He chose this line of, of Israel for this seed to come through for all of us. But even during that time when God was dealing with it, the mankind through Israel, all mankind was invited. The stranger was invited to come in. You must come in through this covenant relationship, but come. God loves everyone so much. So much. Let's look at First Kings six. That's the one. First Kings six. I had that one marked, so I'm there already. Ha. Oh. First Kings six eleven. We have a servant of God. His name is Solomon. And he happens to be the king of Israel. First Kings 6.11 And the word of the Lord came to Solomon saying, Concerning this house which thou art in building, this is going to be the temple, if thou wilt walk in my statutes, what does that sound like? That sounds like a covenant agreement, does it not? If thou wilt walk in my statutes and execute my judgments and keep all my commandments to walk in them, then will I perform my word with thee, which I spake unto David thy father. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. God gave Solomon a big job. He... he uh, delegated this authority to Solomon. Let's look at Second uh, Chronicles 6. Second Chronicles 6. 32 and 33. This is Solomon praying after he has built the temple. Moreover, concerning the stranger which is not of thy people Israel but is come from a far country for thy great name's sake and thy mighty hand and thy stretched out arm if they come and pray in this house. This stranger who obeys the invitation of God, then hear then from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for, that all people of the earth may know thy name, and fear thee, as doth thy people Israel, 
and may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. The stranger is invited into this house. How often do we hear that, oh no, Gentiles could not go into the temple. Hmm. That's not what Solomon preached. Solomon being God's representative. God's invitation was for all to come through this way that he set up. Enter into this covenant relationship with me, he said. But now, oh, we'll get there. We have another example of the Lord's, in the, during the Lord's earthly ministry. Mark chapter 7. Verse 20, excuse me, verse 25 through 29. <clears throat> the Lord is on the earth, physically doing ministry to Israel, right? For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit that's uh, indwelled by Satan, Heard of him, heard of Jesus. This Jesus of Nazareth. They didn't know he was Messiah. He is the seed. He's right there. They didn't know it. Heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Sophonician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled. So earlier, during the Lord's earthly ministry, he warned his disciples, don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans. Don't go there. Why? Because the children first should be filled. For it is not me to take the children's bed and to cast it unto the dogs. Well, that sounds reasonable. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. She believed. She heard God's invitation. She saw the things. She was aware of what this Jesus of Nazareth was doing. She had a need, and she came through that path that God had set up. She came subservient to Israel. She came through the prescribed method of an alien to become in this relationship. The strange, she was a stranger, and she said, yes, Lord, I know, I know I don't deserve it. I'm outside I'm one that's far off, but just the crumbs, I can, I can come, right? And the Lord said her faith, because of her faith, understanding the process, understanding Almighty God is dealing with all the people, but it's through this certain way. Hmm. 
So what, so what happened? We, we don't do circumcisions. We don't do sacrifices. We don't have to keep the Sabbath. What happened? Why, why is it different? Why is it different now? Go back to Ephesians. Back to Ephesians, chapter 2, I do believe it will be. It started verse 11. So this is a letter from God to man. The, the, uh, the first verse, it says, to the saints which are at Ephesus, which was a city, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. It's a letter from God to man through the Apostle Paul. In verse 11, we read, Wherefore, remember that ye, that's plural, that's a group, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So there's this dividing line. There were those who were Israel who was called circumcision. They referred to the Gentiles as uncircumcision. There was a dividing line. They were separate. That at the time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Without God in the world. What does that remind us of? That reminds us, that takes us right back to the Tower of Babel where mankind said, no, no God, no. We, we're not going to have, whether you see that as being them saying that there is no God, whether you see that as them saying, I don't want you, God, they were without God. They turned and said, no God. Without God, what are you? Without hope. You have no hope. That was the position of the people who were outside of God's plan. But we come to verse 13. It says, but now, something happened. There's been a change. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. What happened is this magnificent love has been poured out on all mankind by the Most High God. Jesus Christ offered himself to take care of the sin problem. Verse 14 says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one. Both one. Who's, who's the both? This is, this is a mystery. This is, this is something new. Both one is those who are under covenant relationship with God 
and those who are far off who had no relationship with God because they did not want God in their knowledge. He has made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself twain one new man, so making peace. So what, so what happened? What, what happened? The law, this, this way of entering into a relationship with God through this covenant, is no more. God has a plan where he has made all nigh. That means close. Everyone is on the same footing. You don't have to enter. You, you can't enter a covenant relationship. That program has ceased. It's not going to do you any good. God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, has made all nigh. We're right there. Even that worst guy out there that you don't really like, God has brought him nigh. He's just, he's just right there. All he has to do is hear what is the truth and believe what is the truth. He has to hear that invitation from God. God is saying, come, come, believe that my son paid all the price. He died on the cross for all the sins. You know, even the sin of that guy that you really, really can't stand. <laughs> he paid that sin too. And it's our job to tell that guy that we really, really can't stand that God loves him. The most high God, the most supreme thing in all the world is offering this invitation. Come, you're brought nigh. You're right here. Just believe. You, don't, you can't do things to make it happen. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the two groups had enmity one with another. The law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Nobody has the advantage. We're all right there. All we have to do is believe. Accept God's invitation. 16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. This verse 17, it's very interesting. The subject is God, right? That he might reconcile both unto God and one new man, or it's Jesus Christ, it's who it is. The subject is Jesus Christ, and he has reconciled all to God, or reconciled both, both groups, to God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, 17, and came and preached peace to
to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. So we think of Christ and we automatically, I think, think of this Jesus of Nazareth who was on the earth walking around preaching, right? Okay, so he preached to those who were nigh. He preached to Israel. His ministry was to Israel. So, okay, yeah, he preached to those who were nigh. When did he, he preach to them who were far off? We have a few instances, a few examples of the stranger coming through Israel. What about, when did he preach to those who are far off? This whole group of Gentiles. We're talking about groups here. You know, we're not talking about just an individual. When did he preach to those who are far off? Right here. The risen Lord Jesus Christ reveals the truth through the Apostle Paul to us to those who are far off. This invitation to come to the Most High God is revealed to those who are far off through his word. We know the truth of it by reading his word. That he, for through him, through Jesus Christ, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. There's the Trinity right there. We be reconciled, this most high God inviting us and through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the spirit, we are entered right into the presence of the Father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. There are some who read that and say, see, Believers today are just joined with the saints that already were in this covenant relationship with God and we're all together. But they forget about the verses that were just above where it said that the ordinances and the law and the commandments were done away with. The enmity between the two was destroyed because those things are no more. So we can't be that we are joined as believers today, with the believers of this covenant relationship with God. It's a whole new body. Everyone is the same. We are all brought nigh, not by this covenant relationship. We are all brought nigh by the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. Without him, nothing would be possible. We only have hope through that. The invitation today. If perhaps. And this is, this is like recorded and it goes out on YouTube and many people see it. There's millions and millions that watch. So the invitation at whatever time you hear it. Perhaps. Just perhaps. You know these facts of what this Jesus of Nazareth did. 
Perhaps you know these facts. That he died. That he was buried. And he rose again. And you believe that that really happened. But do you absolutely, your whole being, depend on what that means? Do you, do you understand that without that, you are without hope? Without that finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are still far off. The invitation is trust. Just rely, not just in the facts, but in the reality that God loves you so much. He issued this invitation. Come. Come. I'll make the way through my son who paid the price. Trust on him. Just believe on him. The invitation for those of, who believe, who are believers, we all have friends, enemies, family members. Sometimes they're the same, aren't they? <laughs> Sorry. We have a job. Last week, Brother Gary talked about being the body of Christ. Thank you, Dorothy. Being the body of Christ. What higher calling do we have? God called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. Abram listened to him. It was faithful to the most high God. My invitation for us today, myself included, is to be this body of Christ and share this truth that Jesus Christ died for your sins. He was buried and he rose again. Just believe on that. God has brought you nigh. You're right here. You're this close. Just believe. The work has all been done. Thank you, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, for the truth, for your way, for your absolute wisdom, for you being the possessor of the heavens and the earth, the Most High God. We thank you for your free gift of, of salvation, free for us, a high cost for you, when we just believe and trust and depend on your finished work, you give us the promise of eternity, the promise of eternal life through Christ. We pray that each and every one who hears this understands they can make that decision. They can operate their decision maker. Everyone is responsible to decide. We pray for them that they will decide to accept your invitation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.